Listener Production. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Welcome to another episode of Brooke and Linda's Dream Club. Each week we cast a line deep into the pond of culture and reel in the beautiful fish of moments for us to look at. <laughs> and then we throw them back, we smooch them, we throw them back in with our own thoughts. And this week, well, we're going nostalgia. We're going to have a look at The Secret Life of Us, the classic Australian TV show. We're giving a big smooch to the aftermath of friendship breakups and we're catching up with award-winning writer Nakia Louie who has a very special treat for you. Oh, we love treats. Let's get into it. Brooke and Linda's Dream Club. Well, you know that we love television, you know that we love the cinema and we also love... (laughs) binging, don't we? We oh, all love, love a good binge, binge. binge, binge. And I've been craving binging something, binging something that is quality. Like mm. I, it, it, it makes my heart break when I binge something that is ultimately shit, that is like in one eye, out the other. Don't binge trash. You're, not a, you're binge, not a pug dog, Linda. Nah, there's too much Chill good out. television out there for you to, to binge something crap. So I've been doing a renaissance binge, which is where I'm going back to what some might say was a golden age in Australian television where there was a drama series that was set in St Kilda in Victoria about some 20-somethings finding their way. There's romance, there's friendship, there's a bookworm, there's a doctor, there is the blossoming of some incredible Australian acting and it is the secret life of us, Brookie. Oh, I love it so much. So... I took your recommendation because I love, um, look, I love binging too, but I don't want to binge something that's really dark and I don't want to binge something where there's like ominous stuff going on. You want something that's a little bit lighthearted, maybe makes you feel a bit nostalgic for simpler times, um, as we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, We're all after simpler times, really. And it's so bloody wonderful. Everything about it, the clothes, the hairstyles. Oh, my God. Can we just, just take a moment just to talk about the clothes? Yeah. The spaghetti strap tank tops, the platformed thongs, the iconic cat eye lime green sunglasses that Deborah Malman's character Kelly wears. In Basically anything that Deborah Malman is wearing throughout this series is iconic. I think she probably has the best legs in the Southern Hemisphere as well. Like I don't want to objectify the lady. She's radiant. But she is a knockout. I love the way that she wears her hair in those little twists as well, secured with the butterfly butterfly clips. The clips. Everything about it is just perfect. And I remember watching it when I was in high school and just loving it so much and thinking like, these people are so cool. I hope one day I live in a share house. (laughs) Oh, imagine if Evan lived with you. Joel Edgerton's so hot. Evan is so hot. Like all of it is just perfection. And actually the scripting is really good. And it made me think as I was watching it, like 
um, because, you know, times have changed in the last 20 years, which is when this show first started, <laughs> that the problems that these people are going through as 20-somethings are actually issues that now 30-somethings are facing. So I feel like a lot of people in their 30s, in their early 40s, would be watching this and thinking like, yeah, this is actually stuff that me and my friends are going through now, or this is stuff that I talk about with my friends now. Did you find that? Yeah. What I find so perfect about this show is that it hits that sweet spot that you were talking about just then, where it is enriching enough that it hits a dramatic and compelling chord in your heart as you are watching it, but it never goes into too dark terror. And, and there are some dark themes, you know, there, there's there's deaths that happen, there's real heartache that happens, um, but through and through there's a lightness and a brightness. And I think the reason that this show is really speaking to me as a viewer right now is that it's symbolising this life that is very hard for us to get right now, which is share house living, going out, going on dates, going to a local bar, meeting friends. Heaps of sex. Heaps of sex, escapism. It just it symbolises this kind of beautiful Australian way of life, playing putt-putt on the rooftop of your friend's apartment block, like, these are things like you see them running around and hugging each other when they haven't seen each other in four days. And it's something that feels just out of our reality as a nation at the moment that feeling that insight is so bitter sweet. But there there are some sad parts like when the friendship breaks down between and this happens in the very first episode. Yes. The friendship breaks down between Claudia Carvin and her best friend. That really, like, that's so upsetting, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I was trying to think of, like, why is this so upsetting? Actually, Brooke, that leads very nicely into our next story. So one of the main themes in the first few episodes of The Secret Life of Us is this breakdown of a relationship between a boyfriend and a girlfriend and then two best friends as well. So they're basically, the the characters of Alex and Gabby are broken up over a guy. You see this friendship fall apart and it's more heartbreaking to watch that friendship fall apart than it is to watch the actual, the girl and the guy who are in the intimate relationship fall apart. And I was trying to figure out why that is. Why do we feel so much more at a loss when you experience the loss of a friend? Is it because you might take a friend for granted? Is it because you imagine that your friends are there for you through and through? Is it because it's really hard if there's a love interest that gets in between you? But seeing it fall apart was so shit on screen. It was really sad seeing these two strong women that had been there for each other for so long get heartbroken over the loss of each other's, like, being each other's confidant. Mm. But friendship breakups as you get older are, I think, like, I think it just happens. It's a natural sort of evolution in in sort of getting older, you know, having sort of different priorities or or maybe different hobbies or maybe people having children or whatever. So we thought that we would talk to someone who is an expert in um, conflict resolution. Um, She's an expert in relationship coaching And the person who we are going to speak with is the friendly psychologist, Jackie Manning. Jackie, why does it hurt? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And it does hurt. I think there's no blueprint 
that we can follow in quite the same way as we can in romantic relationships. I think, you know, popular culture books or movies and TV shows often focus on the romantic. So we see how other people break up with each other via that medium. And when we accumulate friends through our lives, there's sort of this unconscious or unspoken kind of belief that we'll keep those friends and we'll just keep adding to them. But friendships are just like any relationship and they can come to a point where they're either in a toxic level, so they're not good for the participants in that relationship. Perhaps they just outgrow each other and their needs become different in their own lives and there's no bad blood as such, but there's just a natural pause to that connection. It feels like there's not even that much language around friendship breakups as well. Like how you were saying just then, there's so many films and books and there's so much art that's centred around a love story gone bad, about a relationship, a heartbroken in a really traditional sense. But maybe friendship breakups hurt more because there's not so much a lens that we can reflect on our own context and make sense of it. Oh, I feel like the way she did in that book or this song really speaks to me because it's about this certain thing and there's a, a, a kind of catharsis that you can get by consuming that sort of media that comes up really frequently, but that doesn't really happen so much with friendships. So I feel like you feel so much more at a loss as to how to deal with it. And it yeah, always feels a bit dramatic bringing it up. It can do, can't it? And it's something that, um, you know, I don't know if you girls have been through it. I, I have. I've had to let a what I considered toxic friendship go a good 10, 12 years ago now. And I remember talking about it at the time with friends. And what struck me was more or less just this loss of, ah, oh, like this kind of almost I hadn't thought about that in my life before. I hadn't thought about my friendships and, wow, how did you do that? Like it wasn't... Um, there was just no context from which to draw on. So I think we're starting sometimes from scratch with this. It's good that you're talking about it. And, you know, I think the more we do talk about it because it is, it's something that can happen for everyone. So what would be your top tips then for someone who's going through a friendship breakup um, at the moment? How would you suggest that they sort of get through it? Because with breakups, um, like intimate partner relationship breakups, um, you know, in I would just sort of like go out, remind yourself that there are other fish in the sea. You know, the the prospect of a, a new potential fling or something is sort of enough to carry you through. A rebound friend. A, a yeah. rebound. <laughs> but it's sort of enough to carry you through the heartbreak of, of that sort of relationship. So what do you do when you're, exactly, do you need mm. a rebound friend? Like any loss, you know, even if you're the one making the choice to end that friendship, there will be a portion of, of grief attached to that. And so letting yourself feel that and perhaps reflect on the good times you had together and valuing that, but also realising there's a reason why you're separating from that friend. They've either hurt you or it's just become untenable to be friends with them. So to get through it is to, to feel the loss like any loss, um, to re-engage with your other friends through messaging and perhaps going on more one-to-one kind of excursions where you can um, and to remind yourself that you're a valuable person and so are they. It's not necessarily that they're a bad person, you're a good person. It's more about the fit like any relationship and so you're just not the right fit anymore. And just on that note as well, Jackie, while I think of it with so many of us, 
in lockdown, living through a pandemic still at the moment, I think it's probably worth noting that the friends that, that you do have and that you value really dearly, it's been more important than ever to check in on them and mm. check how they're doing if they're maybe especially living alone or if they're living in homeschooling kids, etc. Uh, Jackie Manning, look her up, the friendly psychologist. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's my pleasure, Brooke and Linda. Lovely to speak with you. Maintaining the connections. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano. The Dream Club. So Nakia Louie is a Gomorrah and Torres Strait Islander woman. She is a jack of all trades. You might have seen her show Black Comedy on ABC. She's just finished filming another show for the ABC as well called Preppers. Well, she's also the writer of a play called Black is the New White, which has been put out in book form and it's just won the Russell Prize for Humour Writing She's been having a bloody good time in lockdown and she's here to have a chat with us now. Tell us a little bit about the book and then I want to hear what else she's been up to. Me too. Because you're the busiest the woman bit. in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so the play Black is the New White, I think it premiered in 2016 or 2017. Um, I can't recall, probably 2017. I wanted to write a play about, I wouldn't say just an Aboriginal experience, but about an Aboriginal family. Um, and I wanted to look at things like class, uh, gender, legacy within family and what it is to carry history, but doing it within a way that you don't necessarily get to see Aboriginal stories. And so I wanted to do that for comedy, really. Um, so I wrote it as a rom-com or like kind of like a family, not a family rom-com, that sounds really incestuous, but like a family <laughs> comedy, um, a romantic comedy. And so it's about... A family called the Gibsons, which is, I like, I wish was based on my family. Like, I wish we were this wealthy and successful, but they're a very wealthy, successful Aboriginal family. Uh, the dad is a retired politician. The mum's, you know, kind of the social activist. And the daughter, one daughter's a fashion designer. And the other one is a lawyer who falls in love with a poor white guy whose dad ends up being her dad's arch nemesis. And so I remember I pitched it to my friend Polly, who uh, is the literary manager at STC, um, when I was on a Tinder date in Dublin that I dragged her to. Um, I pitched the play, um, then I ended up, uh, she was like, well, have a meeting with um, Andrew Bavell, who was the uh, artistic director of STC at the time with Kate Blanchett. So I had a meeting with him and they commissioned it, and it was my first commission from Sydney Theatre Company. Um, and then I wrote it, and while I wrote it, I fell in love with Gabe. I'm just telling you my whole life story. I'm in oh, love I'm with loving it. it, and I'm loving just the subtle name drops, Gabe. Like, like they're not like going unnoticed, you know. Um, I met Gabe, uh, wrote the play, fell in love, and then the play ended up being um, successful, which was like a right surprise, to be honest. And I think it's toured for. I think the last year it toured was in 2019 and now I'm um, developing it into a TV show. And so how many TV shows are you working on at the moment? I don't even think I could count them on one hand. Yeah, you were definitely telling me about a different one as well the last time I saw you. 
Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I, that's how I make my bread and butter as a TV writer. But at the moment, um, I just finished my TV show Preppers, which is my first kind of half hour comedy that I'm like show running creator, um, writer and star in. So it's, that was really intense and fun. But uh, we finished shooting that about a month ago. Um, and that's called Preppers, which is about, which Brooks in, uh, <laughs> about a group of Aboriginal doomsday preppers based on the idea of colonise me once, shame on you. Colonise me twice, shame on me. Um, <laughs> Aboriginal people have already survived the apocalypse. We'd be stupid to not prepare for another one. Um, and that's about a young woman called Charlie who basically her whole life falls apart on Australia Day. And she undergoes her own personal apocalypse and, you know, to realise, like, to have hope in the future, she she finds it within a group of people preparing for the end of the world. I'm so excited about that. When is it going to be out? We're hoping November. Nikia oh. Louie, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Not only that, but we would love to scramble with some copies of your book, Black is the New White. We've got our copies. We want to give away a bunch of copies as well. I think we've got about 10 copies. So we've got 10. So if and you want your hands on these, please hit us up on the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. Send us a DM, add us to your story, tag us, tag Nakia. Get your hands on this incredible lady's work. Dream Club. Everyone should be wearing the cloth masks and not the disposable ones because they're bad for the environment. Do one of those boring life admin things. Upgrade your iCloud so that you've backed up all your messages and your pictures. You don't want to lose those. I speak from sucks. The beautiful things about being locked down is you don't have to shave your legs. That's actually part of the level 5 restrictions. Let's train. So Lindy, I feel like all of our patience has been tested and one of the things that's really difficult for me as someone who is constantly on the go is slowing down. Um, but also, and you would know this very well because we spend so much time together, that I am a very impatient person. And so to switch my thinking from like, oh, okay, so in two months' time I've got this event, next year um, you know, I'm doing this thing or you know, I'm planning this thing this far off into the future, to completely abolish all of that and just live day by day is really testing my patience. It's something that you are really, really good at, but me, not so much. And so I've sort of just been trying to break down the day and have like one thing to do each day. I don't know if that's helpful for anyone or if that's like a dream club update that anyone else is really feeling, but we're sort of in the thick of it. And um, that is my advice for my fellow um, Aries because we're not patient. Oh we my are God, not you patient. Are, you are so much like my brother. He's the same as you. He's an Aries and like super impatient. But yeah, I, 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 I think that is a dream club update. That's what we're dreaming for this week is just smearing ourselves with a little bit more patience. And it's not something that you might want to hear. It's something that I've hated hearing over the last year and a half. You know that I've been forced to be patient in a couple of key areas in my life, like waiting to see my partner for a really long time, waiting and waiting and having that patience run out or having a goalpost that you wait for and then having that get pushed out again. But it's okay. 
for me anyway, personally, the patience is paying off. It is paying off because the moment has finally arrived. Yeah, I'll be reuniting with my partner who I haven't seen in like almost a year and a half. And that's been really hard. That's been like the biggest exercise of patience that I hope that no one has to go through. And I do feel like that learning of patience has not been pleasant, but it's been something that's really benefited me. Oh, Lindy, we're all so, so happy for you. I just, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm going to cry even just thinking about it. No, my face has gone all red. Well, okay, let's just wrap it up before we both get too emotional. We're going to be back next Wednesday. But until then, please hit us up on Instagram at the Dream Club Podcast and hit that subscribe button so you never, ever miss an episode. Leave us a, a little cheeky review. Yeah, do it. Tag us in a pic. Show us where you're listening from. Tell your friends and do hit us up if you want a wonderful copy of Black is the New White. Yes, it's beautiful. It's lovely. She's talented. It's hilarious. Hit us up. Boisey, boisey. Kick it off, baby girl. Uh, Kick it off, baby girl. Uh Uh Brooke and Linda's Dream Club. Uh Uh Oh. Okay, here we go. Listener.